Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Dion Gordon Podcast. I'm your host, the connoisseur of common sense, the purveyor of authenticity, the man who calls it right down the middle. Dion Tyreek Gordon, enough of the bullshit. Let's get to work. I want to begin this edition of the Dion Gordon Podcast by reading, reciting a tweet that was sent out at the beginning of the season, before the season started, by the third greatest basketball player of all time and the star of the critically acclaimed hit movie Space Jam 2. Who else am I talking about? Of course, I'm talking about LeBron James, who sent out a tweet before the season started, a message aimed at all the naysayers, all the detractors, all the quote-unquote haters who had the audacity, the unmitigated gall, the temerity, the nerve, to question and call out the Los Angeles Lakers roster and the ages of the players on that roster, the personnel, the overall roster construct, the people like myself who had questions, who had doubts about the roster construct of the 2021-2022 LA Lakers. LeBron James went on Twitter and said, quote, keep talking about my squad. Our personnel ages, the way he plays, he stays injured, we're past our time in this league, etc., etc., etc. Do me one favor, please. Please in big, bold capital letters with four exclamation points. Do me one favor, please. And I mean please. Keep that same narrative energy when it begins. That's all I ask. Thank you. That was a tweet from the third greatest basketball player of all time, LeBron James. Well, LeBron, the Lakers missed the playoffs this season. And all the naysayers, detractors, haters, doubters are all vindicated, myself included. And this is one of those instances where I don't want to be right. Every now and then, I've said this before in the podcast, sometimes I want to be wrong. I want someone to prove me wrong. I want someone to shut my big-ass mouth up. I want someone to do the opposite of what I said they were going to do. But in this instance, in this case, the Los Angeles Lakers, my favorite basketball team, did exactly what I said they were going to do before the season started. The season went exactly as I thought it would. I was one of the naysayers. I was one of the doubters. I was a quote-unquote hater against my own team. But as I say in the intro for every podcast, I'm the connoisseur of common sense, the purveyor of authenticity, and the man who calls it right down the middle. I don't care if it's my favorite basketball team. If they fucking suck, I will say so explicitly and directly and straight to the point. The Los Angeles Lakers fucking suck They are abysmal, they are garbage, they are putrid, they are a dumpster fire, a purple and gold dumpster fire. 33 and 49 on the regular season. A team with four of the top 75 players in NBA history. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, and Carmelo Anthony, and they went 33 and 49 this season. When I saw the Laker roster before this season, And I saw 37-year-old LeBron James, who was awesome, still playing at a high level, averaged 30 points per game this season, still an elite basketball player, still a top 10 player in the NBA. He's amazing. It's remarkable what LeBron can do at this stage of the game with the amount of basketball that he's played in his career, the amount of NBA basketball. The guy's played in 10 NBA finals. That's like 100 games per season. This is year 17, year 19, whatever the fuck it is. This guy, in NBA years, I mean, technically it's 19 years. In reality, he's probably played about 27 years of basketball. All those playoff games, all those deep postseason runs, trips to the finals, Olympic games. He's played in 04, 08, 2012. This brother has played a lot of basketball. And for him to still be able to function at a high level that he does, you got to salute it. It's, it's impressive. I talk shit about LeBron. I sarcastically deride him on a number of occasions. But still, LeBron James is an awesome basketball player. And what he's doing at this stage of his career is phenomenal. But he's 37. And he's going to get injured a lot. And he did this season. He missed a lot of games. 
And then when you surround him with a number of other people who are also on the wrong side of 30, Dwight Howard, DeAndre Jordan, Kent Bazemore, Wayne Ellington, Russell Westbrook, Rajon Rondo was on the, on the roster to begin the season. A number of guys, Trevor Ariza, a plethora of dudes who are on the wrong side of 30. They are long in the tooth. They are old. They are ancient. They are prehistoric. They are geriatric. They are antique basketball players. When I sat down and looked at the construction of this team, the roster construction of this basketball team, before the season started, I had doubts. One of the questions I asked, one of the many questions that I asked about this Laker team is, how are they going to hold up for a full 82-game basketball season? At what point does age and attrition set in? How are these guys going to be able to manage playing a full 82? These are old dudes. They played a lot of basketball. The Lakers are one of those teams, they have a roster filled with guys who got to put ice on their knees before the game even starts. The opening tip hasn't even gone up yet. The referee hasn't even blown the whistle yet. We just got done with pregame introductions. The fans are still filing into the arena. The game has not even started yet, and you got guys on the Lakers roster because of their age and attrition and how old they are and how fucked up their bodies are. They got to ice their knees before the game even starts. That lets you know right there. That's a telltale sign. This is a bad basketball team. What happens when you match up with young, athletic basketball teams that can get up and down the court in transition in the open floor? They're going to embarrass you. They're going to make you look bad. They're going to leave you in the dust. And that's what happens to the Lakers time and time again this season. Defensively, awful, inept, pathetic. Energy level, non-existent. Offensively, lame, stagnant, complacent. What else? Couldn't defend the paint. Couldn't defend the perimeter. Zero identity. What was the Lakers' identity this season? A lazy-ass old basketball team? A lethargic group of senior citizens who can't compete with other basketball teams? How many times this season did you watch a Laker game and see them actually play well for like a 5 or 10-minute stretch, build up maybe a 5 or 10, 15, maybe even a 15-point lead, and then as the game progresses, that game just poof vanishes in the thin air. Poof. Vamoose, son of a bitch. It's out of here. It's gone. They'll play well for a five or ten, maybe on a good day, a 15-minute stretch. And then after that, it's over because they're old and they can't sustain it. They can't keep it going. But trust and believe, when they got that 10-point lead, a lot of crazy, elaborate handshakes, a lot of chest beating, a lot of mean mugging, a lot of, a lot of celebrating. You know, LeBron a couple weeks ago dunked all over Kevin Love. He crushed the buildings on Kevin Love. He took the gravity out of Quicken Loans Arena in Cleveland, Ohio, his former home arena where he should go back to. But he destroyed Kevin Love at the rim. And what is he doing? Beating his chest, pushing the earth down, celebrating, mean mugging, all that shit, talking shit on Twitter after the game. And it's like, bro, your team is fighting for a play-in spot right now. Your team at that point was the ninth or 10th seed in the Western Conference, and then ultimately you end up missing the playoffs and missing the play-in tournament. But there you are in late March on a 29 or 30-win basketball team at that point, dunking on someone who has never been known for playing defense ever. And there you are celebrating, and you're the leader of the team. You're the Pied Piper of all this. They follow you. They follow your direction, your lead. So when someone like Austin Reeves or Taylor Horton Tucker sees LeBron James celebrating, well, what are they going to do? They're going to join in. He's LeBron. He's a famous star basketball player, superstar basketball player, a legendary icon of the sport. So if he's celebrating, it must be okay to celebrate, even though we're a 30-win basketball team late in March. People keep asking me, because they know I'm a Laker fan, do you think the Lakers are going to make the playoffs? Oh, you guys are still fighting. You're fighting for a playing spot. I told people the Lakers don't deserve to make the playoffs. When you've only won 31 games at the beginning of April, the season's almost over at that point. There's like 9 or 10 games left. You're sitting on 31 wins, and people got the nerve to ask me about playoffs? In the words of Jim Moore, P -p -p playoffs? We're just trying to win a fucking game. What are you talking about right now? Playoffs? Playoffs? 
The Lakers had no business being in the playoffs. The Lakers did not deserve to make the playoffs this year, and they didn't. And good. When the Lakers were getting their asses kicked routinely after the All-Star break in big games that they had to win, that Sunday night game versus the Pelicans about a month and a half ago, that, that was the game where DeAndre Jordan like tried to pass it from the fucking from the other free throw line or try to shoot it from the, I don't know what he was trying to do. I don't know what was going on between his ears. He had some like ridiculous shaft in the fool type play. As the Lakers are getting seven different shades of shit beat down their leg by the New Orleans Pelicans and losing by like 33 points on national television. The world is watching this. And here you are, this seven-foot-tall lummox bringing the ball up the court. First of all, that's a problem in itself. DeAndre Jordan is not supposed to bring the ball up. And there he is trying to bring the ball up and throws an errant pass. And that's being generous. He threw this pass into the fucking Malibu. He threw this pass to El Segundo. I don't know what was going on. The score of the game, to be specific, to be accurate, was 87-59 Pelicans. You're losing 87-59 to at home. You need to win games like this to try to make the playoffs. And people had the nerve to ask me as a Laker fan, do you think the Lakers are going to make the playoffs? No. Fuck no. Are you serious right now? The Lakers would go on to lose that game 123-95. to They would then lose their next game to the Dallas Mavericks 109-104. They had a Thursday night game on TNT that was equally as embarrassing. The co-tenants, the other team that plays at Crypto.com Arena, the Los Angeles Clippers, a team so pathetic that they don't have any championship banners to hang up. They hang up selfies inside a formerly known Staples Center. The Los Angeles Clippers, the other team in L.A., the redheaded stepchild of Los Angeles basketball, beat the shit out you. 132 to 111. Reggie Jackson, a a good basketball player, a guy like a guy that I have respect for, is out there crip walking and making a complete mockery out of the Lakers and specifically Russell Westbrook in that game. He is sea walking on the court. He is treating this game like it's an N1 mixtape. He is showing off. And there's nothing that Westbrook or anyone else in a gold jersey that night could do about it. 132 to 111. Then they come back. They play a big game on a Saturday night game against Golden State. LeBron scored like 53 points in this game. The Lakers win 124 to 116. And so many people thought, well, this is the, the turning point right here. The Lakers are turning the corner. They just beat the Golden State Warriors, a playoff team, a good basketball team. LeBron in a big game. Can you believe it? He's 37 years old and scored 53 points. And I told people, that's a problem. It took 53 points from LeBron James to barely beat a Golden State Warriors team that at that point in the season, in that game, was minus Draymond Green. Klay Thompson still trying to work his way back. Steph Curry and a little bit of a slump at that time. Golden State was going through it at that point. And at home, it took LeBron going off for 53 to barely get by the Golden State Warriors. You come back after that, you lose to the San Antonio Spurs. You have an embarrassing loss. An embarrassing loss. Like, put a paper bag over your head. Don't even walk outside. You can't even show your face in public after this loss. 139 to 130 on the road against the Houston Rockets. The Houston Rockets are dog shit. So if the Houston Rockets are dog shit and they beat the Lakers, what does that make the Lakers? The Rockets won this game 139 to 130. They scored 19 points in overtime. The score after regulation was tied at 120. The Rockets outscored them 19 to 10. How do you allow a team to score 19 points in five minutes? What are you doing? Are you playing defense? Do you care? Do you have a do you have a pulse? Do you have a pulse? Are you alive right now? Are you showing vital signs? You go on the road. You know you need to make the playoffs. Must-win situation. Pivotal. Big game against a bad basketball team. No disrespect to the Houston Rockets. That's a rebuilding basketball team. They got young pieces down there. They're trying hard. God bless them. But they're not that good. What they win this year, like 15, 16, 17 games? Who knows? They're a lottery team. Everyone knows that. 
but they kicked the Lakers' ass in this game. They scored 19 points in five minutes. And yet and still, people continue to ask me, what do I think about the Lakers making the playoffs? I got as much, I, I had as much confidence in the Lakers making the playoffs this year as I do with LeBron James' acting abilities in Space Jam 2. I have as much confidence, I had as much confidence in the L.A. Lakers making the playoffs this year as I do in Vladimir Putin bringing peace between Russia and Ukraine. Rooting for the Lakers to make the playoffs this year was like rooting for a crackhead to turn his life around. You want it to happen, but in the back of your mind, you know, eventually this motherfucker is going to be found dead in an alley somewhere. The Lakers are trash. The Lakers always were going to be trash. They were trash before the season started. Bring it back to what I said at the onset of this podcast, the roster construction, the overall makeup of players 1 through 15 on the L.A. Lakers. It was a complete disaster from day one, and it remained a complete disaster throughout the entirety of this calendar basketball season in 2021 and 2022. Let's continue with the Lakers' downward spiral in the second half of the season, because after the All-Star break, I think at the All-Star break, the Lakers still were in playoff contention. So the All-Star break was going to be pivotal. And what happened after the All-Star break? So that's why I'm focusing so much on that. You lose, you beat Golden State. You lose to San Antonio. You have this debacle against the Houston Rockets. You go back home to Staples Center. Fuck Crypto.com Arena. I'm not calling it that. The Lakers will always play at Staples Center. So fuck off with Crypto.com Arena. Go to hell with that shit. The Lakers go back to Staples Center and play the Washington Wizards and beat them 122 to 109. The Wizards are also garbage. You should beat them at home. Go on the road, you step up in weight class now. You play against a real basketball team, the Phoenix Suns. They beat you 140 to 111. They beat you like, they, like you stole something. Then you go back home, back to Staples Center, play Toronto. They beat you 114 to 103. You go on the road. This was another, this was a season full of lowlights for the Lakers. Minnesota, that game, congratulations to them, by the way. They won their play-in game tonight against the Clippers. They wrapped up. They secured the seventh seed in the Western Conference. They'll be matching up with the Memphis Grizzlies. That's going to be a fun series. Two young athletic basketball teams that can really get after it. Patrick Beverly versus John Morant. How's that going to play out? That's going to be a fun series to watch. They split the season series this season. 2-2, played four times this season. I can't wait to see this matchup, but the T-Wolves, a team on the rise, a team that is ascending as the old, decrepit Lakers are descending. The T-Wolves beat the brakes off the Lakers, 124-104. In this game, you had Carl Anthony Towns and Patrick Beverly and everyone else, D'Angelo Russell, Robert Edwards, Anthony Edwards, I'm sorry, Anthony Edwards, laughing, openly mocking and ridiculing the Lakers. Russell Westbrook took a corner three and airballed it. And the ball landed right in Carl Anthony Towns' hands. He's looking around as if maybe there was some wind blowing inside the arena. This is an NBA basketball arena. You're inside. There's no wind blowing, but he's openly mocking Russell Westbrook by looking around to see, is the wind blowing? Was there a gust? Was there a breeze? that altered the trajectory of this shot to cause you to airball a wide-ass open three. No, there was no win. As I said, you're playing indoors. Russell Westbrook was just that terrible this season for my beloved Lakers. You take a trip up north to Toronto. You beat the Raptors 128-123. You come back to the States to our nation's capital. You lose, this time to the Wizards, 127-119. Then the aforementioned Cavaliers game, you win that game. Great. Congratulations. Lose to Philadelphia, 126-121 in the following game. The Pelicans, who seemed to own the Lakers in the second half of the season. That was a Friday night game. That was a big game. That was a game where it's like if the Lakers are going to win, they got to – if the Lakers are going to make the playoffs, they got to win this game. And they go out there and they lose, 116-108. to and then Dallas beats you down 128 to 110. And Utah collects your soul 122 to 109. The Pelicans again, like I said, they own the Lakers. 
you break it down, you look at the schedule. The reason, one of the reasons why the Lakers missed the playoffs, three losses to the New Orleans Pelicans. I don't even know what to say about that. The Nuggets beat you. The Suns once again kicked your ass. The Warriors beat you. You beat the Thunder. Wow. And then you finish up at the end of the season with a victory against the Nuggets. By that point, that Suns game wrapped up the entire season. That Suns game officially eliminated the Lakers from playoff contention. It should be noted that that star forward Anthony Davis went down with a midfoot sprain in February in a game against the Utah Jazz at Staples Center, which unfortunately was a recurring trend for the Lakers this season. Anthony Davis missing basketball games. He played 40 games this season. It's an 82-game schedule. Anthony Davis played 40 of them. A various assortment of injuries throughout the entire season. Foot, groin, calf, ankle, knee, quad, whatever. The brother was always hurt. AD stands for always disabled. He could not stay on the court this season. Consistently injured and banged up. And Anthony Davis is not the best player on the team. LeBron's the best player on the team. But Anthony Davis is the most important player on the team. The one time, the one year he was actually able to stay healthy and be fully functional, the Lakers won a championship under dubious circumstances. But the Lakers still, it's in the record books, 2020. They are your 2020 NBA world champions. They won a title the one time Anthony Davis could figure out a way to stay healthy. The past two seasons hasn't been the case. Remember, the Lakers were up 2-1 in that playoff series versus Phoenix last season. And then AD went down, and that's when Phoenix reeled off three consecutive wins and won the series and moved on and eventually got to the NBA Finals. But without AD, the Lakers really ain't shit. LeBron can only carry it so much. And at this stage of his game, where he's at in year 19, it's asking a lot for a guy who's played that much basketball to go out there and try to carry the team when you don't have your sidekick, you don't have the Robin to your Batman, the Pippin to your Jordan, you don't have that other dude that was brought in that the, the future was mortgaged for, that four first-round draft picks were traded to, to the Pelicans to acquire Anthony Davis. When he's not available, the complexion of this team changes dramatically. And like I said, LeBron just can't, at this point where he's at, he can't carry a team like that anymore. Then you factor in the Russell Westbrook problem. Westbrook this season, there aren't enough negative adjectives to describe how bad Russell Westbrook was this season. So I'll just go look at the numbers. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't. Russell Westbrook this season, 2021-2022 NBA basketball season for the Los Angeles Lakers. Russell Westbrook this season committed 295 turnovers. He made 188 jumpers. He turned the ball over 295 times this season. Westbrook this season had 18.5 points per game, 7.1 assists, 7.4 rebounds. He shot 67% from the free throw line. You're a point guard in the National Basketball Association, and you're shooting 67% from the free throw line, which is actually up from what he shot last season in Washington. He shot 66% last season with the Wizards from the free throw line. That's abysmal. Field goal percentage. He shot 44% this season from three he shot 29.8%, so about 30% from three. These aren't good numbers. When you're 30% from three and 44% from the field and 66% or 67%, whatever, from the free throw line, that's not good. 18.5 points per game, I knew, I knew this was not going to work. When I got that notification that Russell Westbrook had been traded to the Los Angeles Lakers, for a first-round pick and Contavious Caldwell Pope and Kyle Kuzma and Montrez Harrell, I told anybody and everybody who would listen, that is one of the dumbest trades I've ever seen. 
That is a stupid trade. You're already bereft of first-round draft picks, and you're going to turn around and trade a first-round draft pick for a declining Russell Westbrook, a guy whose numbers have gone down season by season, year by year for the past four or five years, his field goal percentage, his free throw percentage, his three-point shooting percentage have all precipitously dropped year by year for the past four or five years. And you're going to give up a first-round draft pick? Like I said, you already don't have a whole lot. You traded four first-round picks for Anthony Davis, who can't play more than 40 games in the season. You're going to give up another first-round draft pick for Russell Westbrook, who just doesn't have it anymore. He's not that guy. He's not, he's not 2014, 15, 16, 17 Westbrook. He had a nice year in Washington last year. Second half of the season, he was especially good. He helped get them to the playoffs last season. That was last year, though. And that was, that was a play-in situation. That was get to the playoffs and get quickly escorted out of the playoffs in the first round. But the biggest reason I knew it was not going to work was Russ is a ball-dominant player. He needs to have the basketball in his hands to be effective. Well, when you're playing alongside LeBron James, you're not going to have the basketball in your hands. He's going to have the basketball for about 15 to 18 seconds in the shot clock because there's only one way LeBron can play. He has to dominate the basketball. He can't play off ball. You're not going to see LeBron catch and shoot, come off a screen. And you're also not going to see Westbrook do that because he can't shoot. He's a worse shooter than LeBron is. I'll give LeBron credit. He's worked on his outside perimeter shooting game and gotten better at it over the years. Westbrook is awful. Westbrook is the drizzling shits shooting from the perimeter. He can't do it. It's not there for him. And when you bring him in and put him alongside LeBron and LeBron plays the way LeBron plays because that's the only way LeBron can play and Westbrook can only play his way, it's going to be what you saw this season, a complete fucking catastrophe a fiasco is utterly embarrassing to watch Westbrook and LeBron play. Frank Vogel, who was fired earlier today, uh, it was news to him two days ago he was getting fired. He found out during the postgame news conference, he found out via tweet from Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN when some reporter after the Denver game was over with asked him about his job status, asked him about a report from Woj about being fired, terminated, let go from the Lakers. And he said, quote, I don't know shit. The whole thing was very awkward and uncomfortable to see a guy finding out about losing his job from a reporter. No one in the Laker organization had the decency to tell Frank Vogel they were letting him go. That's fucked up. And to me, he was a scapegoat for the overall failure in roster construction of the L.A. Lakers. I don't blame this season on Vogel. The only thing I say Vogel could have and should have done better is his rotations. In particular, going back to what I just said, LeBron and Westbrook can't play together, so why not just have Westbrook come off the bench? That's not going to happen, though. He's a former league MVP. He's averaged a triple-double for about three seasons, multiple double-digit time all-star. He's a big-time celebrity superstar basketball player, a top 75 NBA basketball player. In his mind, he still thinks he's that guy. He still believes he's MVP Westbrook of a couple of years ago. He's not, but he, st- he thinks that. He still believes that. So it's going to be almost impossible to tell that dude, hey, you got to go to the bench. We're going to bring you in with the second unit. They tried that. They experimented with that a little bit during the season. It wasn't working out. Westbrook was not going to put up with that. They, they, at one point during the season, they were benching Westbrook in the fourth quarter because he was such a deterrent to the Lakers. He was, going, he was hurting his own team's chances to win. There were times this season where it looked like Westbrook was out there point shaving. This dude was dribbling the ball off his foot. Unforced turnovers, ridiculous miscues and mistakes, dribbling the ball into a triple team, passing the ball back out to the perimeter. The ball gets stolen, going the other way for an easy, fast break for the other team. Not just missing shots, but like airballing shots. Like you're nowhere close to the rim. Hitting the top of the backboard. There was a game versus Sacramento, the low life, degenerate scumbag. 
Sacramento Kings, a team that has now missed the playoffs 16 consecutive years. There was a game versus Sacramento in Sacramento where Westbrook was so terrible and missed so many shots. They started playing, you're as cold as ice inside the arena. The Sacramento Kings are trolling you. The Sacramento Kings are talking shit about you. You in dire straits. Being made fun of by the Sacramento Kings, that's like a retard calling you stupid. That's like Donald Trump questioning your integrity. How do you get ridiculed by a team that's missed 16 consecutive playoffs? Westbrook is down bad. There's a 2 minute and 27 second video of all of Russell Westbrook's lowlights, fuck-ups, miscues, mishaps, embarrassing moments from this past NBA season. All of the air balls, all the missed dunks, all the he airball layups multiple times, and not even just one time. There were multiple times he airballed a layup this season. There were times he tried to take a mid-range jumper and hit the top of the backboard and nothing else. There were times... I mean, just, you name it, he did something wrong on a regular basis. He had a couple of good games here and there, but it just wasn't there and it wasn't working, especially him playing alongside of LeBron. LeBron's always had success playing alongside shooters, perimeter jump shooters. LeBron can do his thing and facilitate the offense the way he does. And then when the double team collapses on him and kick the ball out to the perimeter and someone like Kyle Korver or Ray Allen or Channing Frye, J.R. Smith, someone who's good at shooting a basketball will make the jump shot and make LeBron look better. He's a great passer. So that's why LeBron always got credit with that false narrative of he makes his teammates better. No, he's just surrounded by great shooters most of the time. The roster construct of his team made sense, especially in Miami. And the second time he came back to Cleveland, he was surrounded by great perimeter jump shooters, which allows him to thrive. He can get his points. He can also get his assists and put those great shooters in advantageous spots. They're wide-ass open. All the attention is focused on LeBron. This Laker team, you have no perimeter shooting at all. Carmelo Anthony is the best shooter on the team. Other than that, who else you got? The white boy Reeves? Malik Monk, Kendrick Nunn didn't even play this season. This whole team was a mess. They were a mess. Injuries, ineptitude. Westbrook one time was asked during a post-game news conference, what's the scouting report against the Lakers? He said everyone's scouting report is to simply give more effort, to play harder. When he said that, my jaw hit the floor. I appreciate the honesty and the transparency, but the fact that you would openly admit that is a bit jarring. And the fact, really, it confirmed everything that people like me saw when we sat down and watched a Laker game. If you simply try harder than them, you can beat them. They don't rotate on defense. They don't communicate on defense. They don't die for loose balls. If you get a lead on the Lakers, they'll quit. They'll fold the tent. They'll pack it in. They're a bunch of front runners. As I said earlier, when they have a lead, they're celebrating. They're popping bottles. They're going wild out there. But when the opposing team gets a double-digit lead, it's over. It's curtains for the Lakers. They quit. They go into the tank. They don't want to do it anymore. Front runners taking on the identity of their best player. Front runners. When the tough get going, when the going gets tough, the Lakers get going. Front runners, they don't really have that intestinal fortitude to battle back, to fight, that gumption, that toughness. They don't have that. This current incarnation of the Lakers didn't have that. When they were down, they stayed down. No heart, no resiliency, none of that. This was a bitch-ass basketball team. Today, they had their exit interviews on the way out, ready to get the offseason started. One, two, three, Cancun. That's how the Lakers get down nowadays. No postseason for us. But in the exit interviews, LeBron James said he doesn't consider this past season to be a failure. Are you fucking kidding me right now? You won 33 fucking games. 
33 and 49. That's not a failure. A team with four top 75 players on it. A team that had championship aspirations. A team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, two former league MVPs on this squad. A team in Los Angeles. You play for the Lakers now, LeBron. It's championship robust every season for the Lakers. I don't care who's out there playing for the Lakers. Even those years when it was Tariq Black and Robert Sacre and Jordan Hill and Andrew Gaudelock and Brandon Bass playing for the Lakers, Yi Jin Lian, it doesn't matter. It's still championship expectations. It's probably not going to happen with those guys playing for the Lakers, but still, us Laker fans have high expectations. So for you to sit there and say, well, I don't consider this season to be a failure, that's fucking ridiculous. That's completely detached from reality. What do you mean? This is not a failure. No, this is an absolute failure. This is a catastrophic failure. This team was picked by many experts and pundits to represent the Western Conference in the NBA Finals. LeBron has always been, LeBron himself is championship robust. He's played in 10 NBA Finals. That's the expectation for him. Every year, it's either you get to the Finals or the season was a failure. This team couldn't even make the play-in tournament. How do you not call this a, fa- a failure? You finished 11th in the Western Conference. You couldn't even make the play-in tournament. This was a failure. He said because we came to work every day, you know, we never gave up. We never turned against each other. We, you know, we, we kept, kept our focus, kept our sanity or whatever. Man, shut the fuck up, man. What do you mean you came to work every day? You're supposed to. The fuck you talking about? That's like that old Chris Rock joke where he's like, you know, guys want to get credit for doing simple, basic shit. You know, I pay bills on time. I take care of my kids. You're supposed to do that shit. What you need credit for? You're supposed to show up for work. You're supposed to try hard and give effort. You're supposed to play the game like you mean it. Take it seriously. You're supposed to do that shit. What are you talking about? We played hard this year. We stuck together, so it's not a failure. No, you're 33 and 49. That's a failure. You're 16 games or eight games, however you want to slice it, under 500. As if that wasn't bad enough, Westbrook blames all of his failures on Frank Vogel. Or just point, you point the finger at Frank Vogel. Dude, was Frank Vogel out there shooting the basketball for you when you hit the top of the backboard? or hit the bottom of the shot clock. Is that Frank Vogel's fault? Was it Frank Vogel bringing the ball up the court against Houston and dribbling the ball off his foot? Was that Frank Vogel? Was it Frank Vogel's fault? You committed all... Was it Frank Vogel's fault? You committed 295 turnovers this season. Whose fault is that? Where is the accountability? Where is the ownership in all this? Just say you had a bad season. Everyone saw this. It's on television. Laker games were usually on national TV. Millions of people saw this shit. You played terribly this season. You were a steaming pile of dog shit this year. And to make matters worse, there's no future for the Lakers. Westbrook has a player option to come back next season for $47 million. Now, do you think for one second that Russell Westbrook is going to turn down that player option? Where else next season is he going to get $47 million? It ain't going to happen. He's coming back next season unless they trade him. But then again, how can you trade him? I saw a clip on ESPN earlier talking about maybe a deal to Indiana, to the Pacers, where the Lakers would give up two more first-round draft picks in 2027 and 2029. Two first-round draft picks, five and seven years from now, respectively, plus Russell Westbrook, to the Indiana Pacers from Malcolm Brogdon and Tyrese Halliburton. Why the fuck would the Pacers even accept that deal? You're going to give me two first-round draft picks, five and seven years from now, and the scattered remains, the remnants of what used to be Russell Westbrook? Nah, man, go fuck yourself. That's, that, that would be my reaction if I was the, the Indiana Pacers 
team president, general manager, whatever, someone, Rob Palenka got on the phone to call me up and say, hey, we're going to offer you two first-round draft picks five and seven years from now and Russell Westbrook from Malcolm Brogdon and Tyrese Halliburton, I would kindly, politely, discreetly tell Rob Palenka to go fuck himself and hang the phone up. And speaking of Rob Palenka, if we're going to fire somebody, why wasn't it him? Frank Vogel has more legitimacy and more reason to continue being employed by the L.A. Lakers than Rob Lowe with cable does. You know, Rob Lowe with DirecTV, he's pretty awesome, but Rob Lowe with cable, he is the general manager of the L.A. Lakers and does a very shitty job of being the L.A. Lakers general manager. Palenka got that job because of association, because of having, having friends in high places. Kobe Bryant, the late great Kobe Bryant, our dear ancestor who we miss every day, Kobe Bean Bryant, friends with Rob Palenka. That's how he got that job. It wasn't based off merit. It wasn't based off basketball acumen. It wasn't based off anything like that. It was based off him being friends with the greatest Laker of all time. And that's what it took. What has he done? I'll keep going back to this point. The roster construct. The way this team was put together. Now, I'm sure I'm almost 100% positive there was input from the best player on the current team, LeBron James. Player coach, general manager James, advocated for Russell Westbrook. Magic Johnson went on ESPN Get Up about a week ago and confirmed all this, that there was a deal in place, there was talks to bring in DeMar DeRozan, who's also from Southern Cal, a better player at this point in his career than Westbrook is. Let's be honest. A much better perimeter shooter, a better mid-range shooter, a better player overall, like I said, than Russell Westbrook is right now. LeBron nixed that trade. This is all according to Magic Johnson. And even though Magic no longer works for the Lakers, he will always be affiliated with the Lakers. Magic will always know the inner workings of the team. Magic will always be privy to information regarding the L.A. Lakers. So when he goes on TV and speaks candidly the way he did on ESPN last week, I listen. I'm paying attention because that's Magic Johnson, the most popular, beloved Laker currently alive, currently above ground, maybe of all time, period, because even Kobe was Kobe, but there there are some Laker fans who didn't like Kobe. So as far as like popularity is concerned, I would say Magic was more popular than Kobe was. But no one can ever change my mind and say that Magic was a better player or better Laker than Kobe was. I've already spoken about that. To me, Kobe's the best Laker ever. Different story, different topic, different conversation. But Magic is a beloved figure amongst all Laker fans. I love Magic. Everyone loves Magic. He's Magic. How can you not like Magic Johnson? When he speaks about the Lakers, you should listen. He still knows what's going on behind closed doors, behind the scenes. So when he goes on TV and says what he says, take it, take it seriously. I believe it. LeBron didn't want to play with DeRozan. I don't normally give Brian Windhorst a lot of credit, uh, but on this instance, I'll give him a lot of credit. I, th- I thought he went on TV on ESPN and said something that was 100% accurate. He said... LeBron probably chose Westbrook over DeRozan because he was trying to have that same dynamic that he had in Miami and the second time in Cleveland where you have another playmaker, another facilitator, another guy who can handle the basketball and get the offense moving and go get his own buckets so you can take turns. He had that with D. Wade in Miami. He had that with Kyrie Irving the second time in Cleveland. So I think from LeBron's perspective, he was thinking Westbrook is more of what I want to play with, more in line with that Kyrie, D-Wade, playmaker style of basketball player where he and I can just take turns. DeMar DeRozan is not so much in line with that, but like I said, DeMar DeRozan right now is a better basketball player than Russell Westbrook and the Lakers 
are completely deficient as far as outside perimeter shooting is concerned and even mid-range shooting. DeRozan had, for much of the season, in my opinion, a borderline MVP caliber season playing for Chicago. He was excellent playing for the Bulls this season. Buddy Heald was another guy I talked about being brought in. Outstanding perimeter jump shooter. He would help this team out. They chose to bring in Westbrook. Older guy, cost a lot more money, and you had to cough up a first-round draft pick to bring him in. And what did he give you this season? Where were the return on the investment at? Where was the return on the investment? Non-existent. And I hate to keep dumping on Westbrook, but I'm just, it was appalling watching him play basketball this season. I'm sorry, man. I'm not, I'm sorry, not sorry. Fuck all that. Laker fans, we expect a certain level of competency on the court. At least be competent in what you're doing. Westbrook, for the most part, looked incompetent. Like he didn't know what to do. Like he didn't know what was going on. And I understand it's going to be difficult playing alongside LeBron, but the least you can do is not airball open threes. The least you can do is not dribble the ball off your foot. And then, you know, for me as a, as a longtime, true, honest, legitimate, real Laker fan, I sit back, I, I look at the rest of the league. Tonight, I'm watching Minnesota and the Clippers. I already referenced that game earlier. D'Angelo Russell had 29 points tonight, about six rebounds, five assists, whatever. Hell of a game. He was a major reason why they won that game. Carl Anthony Towns was awful. 3 of 11, fouled out. 11 points, he was terrible. Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, they were awesome. And one of those guys, D'Angelo Russell, in 2015, was the second overall pick in the draft to the Los Angeles Lakers. The young core that we were assembling for so many years, D'Lo Russell, Brandon Ingram, Julius Randle, Kyle Kuzma, Jordan Clarkson, Ivanka Zubic, Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, they're all gone. They're all gone. Larry, Larry Nance Jr., a guy like that, is a guy I would love to have back on the Lakers. They're all gone. We mortgaged the future for a crippled, broken-down superstar basketball player in name only. And what do we have left? Then you give up another draft pick for a guy who's physically declining and has no game right now. Where is the future for the L.A. Lakers? Where are the first-round draft picks? The overall consensus from listening to LeBron, A.D., and Westbrook talk was that the biggest problem with the team this year was injuries. You know, we would have been a good we would have been a good team if we all could have stayed healthy. Injuries was the reason why we missed the playoffs this year. So we're gonna run it back next year with the same group of guys who couldn't stay healthy this season. Westbrook could. Westbrook played 78 games, but LeBron and AD couldn't stay on the floor. But we're gonna run it back with the same group of guys a year later and a year older, and think the results are going to be better. I don't see that happening. And you're going to pay Westbrook $47 million next season, and Anthony Davis about $38 million, and LeBron about $44, $45 million. That's a lot of money in three players who are physically declining. That's a lot of money, a lot of capital. And for a Laker fan like me, where is – Where's the hope for next season? I don't buy that, that all they had to do was stay healthy. Well, you could, there's a reason you couldn't stay healthy because you're older now. You're more inclined to physically break down. And I don't believe, as I just said, that it's going to be better next season when you're a year older. I don't see that happening. This big three for the Lakers played about 21 games together this season. Next season, who knows? It should be more. It might be less or it might be the exact same. We don't know. And that that gives me no hope. With the uh, dismissal of Frank Vogel, we currently don't have a coach. Who's going to be the next coach of the Lakers? LeBron was quoted as saying that he was enthused 
by the idea of Mark Jackson leaving the broadcast table for ESPN and ABC and taking a job coaching the Lakers. There was also talk about Quinn Snyder from Utah, but at the same time, reports came out about he not being so enamored with the Laker job based on the way they treated Frank Vogel. And I would say a lot of coaches are going to share that same sentiment. Why the fuck would I want to go coach the Lakers? As toxic as that environment is, with, with LeBron being a diva, Westbrook being a diva, Anthony Davis can't physically play basketball most of the time. This toxic environment, this awful situation you have going on with the Lakers, the ineptitude of the front office, Jeannie Buss, Rob Palenka, Kurt Rambis, whoever the fuck is calling the shots for the Lakers right now. All of them are worthless and inept. Why would any reputable coach want to go there? Doc Rivers in Philadelphia? Doc Rivers has lost more Game 7s than any other NBA coach in NBA history. He's also blown more 3-1 leads than any other coach in NBA history. Why would it make sense to bring in Doc Rivers? So Quinn Snyder doesn't want to fuck with you. Doc Rivers, to me, makes no sense. Nick Nurse in Toronto would make a lot of sense. I think he's a great NBA coach. But would he, would he want to come here? Who's to say that Nick Nurse doesn't also look at the situation and say, you know what, I don't need that. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with this headache and the overall circus that is LeBron James and his camp and everyone else around him and just the way he is and the way he goes about his business. I don't feel like dealing with that. I don't, I don't want to get thrown under the bus the way that, I don't know, Tyron Lue, David Blatt, Paul Silas, Frank Vogel, Eric Spolstra, we seem to be developing a trend here. If you coach LeBron James, eventually you're going to get thrown under the bus and blamed for all the team's failures. So if you're Nick Nurse, you got a pretty good gig right now in Toronto. You won a championship three years ago. Less expectations. That's the only championship in Raptor history, and you won it. You're a god. They might build a statue for you one day up there in Toronto. There's no real pressure. It's not the day-to-day, everyday stress of coaching the Los Angeles Lakers. It's not that. You ain't got to worry about that in Toronto. They're the Raptors. They've only been around for about 30 years. It doesn't really matter that much up there, but the bright lights of L.A., Staples Staple Center, Staples Center, all the celebrities sitting courtside. You talked about every day on ESPN. You, you coach Toronto, you can hide. They never talk about the Raptors. They play in a different country. No one, no one really cares about the Raptors. Even the one 2019 when they won a championship, nobody really paid attention to them, paid that much attention to them. It's the Toronto Raptors. Coaching the L.A. Lakers is a whole different beast. As far as Mark Jackson is concerned, I would love to have Mark Jackson come in and coach the Lakers. I feel like he was done dirty, done wrong in uh, Golden State. He, he helped put that team on the map. That franchise was a joke before Mark Jackson took over. He won 54 games. He taught Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green how to win. He helped build that dynasty that has, has existed in Golden State for the past 10 years. He set the wheels in motion for a team that would go on to make five consecutive trips to the NBA Finals. I have zero problem with Mark Jackson being the coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. But for me, from his perspective, why would you want to give up a good thing? You, you got a great gig right now. You're on the lead commentary team for the NBA. Mark Jackson, Jeff Van Gundy, Mike Breen, the best commentary team in all of basketball right now. You get to call the NBA Finals every year. You're making money, good money, I'd assume. Stress level, non-existent. All you got to do is sit there and talk about basketball for 48 minutes and you know give out an occasional, Mama, there goes that man, Eight ball, corner pocket, you know, et cetera. All your little catchphrases, that's all you got to do. 
if I was Mark Jackson, I would stay. I would stay on television. I'd remain with the A team, the number one commentary team in pro basketball. Of him, Van Gundy, and Breen, I'm not giving that up. That's a sweet job right there. But I don't know. If Mark Jackson wants to get back into coaching, I mean, God bless him. He deserves an opportunity. Because if I keep hearing about a guy like Mike D'Antoni getting more opportunities, potentially taking over in Philadelphia, once they inevitably lose in the first or second round and Doc Rivers gets fired and D'Antoni's going to take over, if a guy like D'Antoni can keep getting opportunities, how come Mark Jackson can't even get a second opportunity? I don't know. But one thing I do know is that I'm ecstatic. I'm so happy that the, the Lakers season has come to an end. It's over with. We no longer have to suffer and deal with this national nightmare known as the Los Angeles Lakers. They never deserve to make the playoffs. When you have a guy, a high-profile player from your team like Russell Westbrook openly admitting that if the other team gives more effort, they can beat us. I, I can't get over that. I'll never get over that. What do you mean if all they do is just give more effort, they can beat us? That's, that's, that's unconscionable. I can't reconcile someone saying something like that. When you're a professional athlete, I appreciate the honesty, but at the same time, you're grown men. You're getting paid a lot of money. At the very least, you should give some type of effort. And from what I saw from the Lakers, the majority of this season, not a whole lot of effort, especially defensively. They just sucked. Everything about them, all season long, start to finish, they just sucked. This was one of the worst Laker teams I've ever seen. And, yeah, I watched a team for the Lakers win about 15 or 17 games a couple of years ago, 2015, 2016, something like that. But you go back, like, 2018, they won 35 games, 35 and 47, with Brooke Lopez and a very young Lonzo Ball, his rookie season, Julius Randle, Zubach, Crusoe, Kuzma, Clarkson, you know, those guys were there, and I'm, I'm always going to say this. I would much rather keep that young core, that young nucleus together and build that team organically as opposed to blowing it up, mortgaging the future, just for a COVID-19, George Floyd, Disney, ABC bubble championship in a season where there was a four-and-a-half-month break in the middle of the season I will never accept or acknowledge that championship. Even as a Laker fan, I will never accept or acknowledge that championship. LeBron been there four years, missed the playoffs twice, won the Fugazi championship, and last year got beat in the first round. What are we supposed to do with that? There wasn't even a fucking victory parade for the 2020 championship. Did it even happen? Did it really even happen? The entire world was in shambles. You won a championship where the whole world was in dire straits and shambles. And even with that being said, we got rid of a lot of the guys who helped win that championship that year. That was a good defensive basketball team. And Frank Vogel is a defensive coach. And you win that title, you lose Caruso, you lose JaVel McGee. I mean... <laughs> I don't understand what the Lakers are doing. I'm not sure if they understand what they're doing. You had a proven formula to win. Even with the world being in shambles and what 2020 represented and every, everything that it was and the COVID-19, George Floyd, Mickey Mouse, Disney, ABC, Black Lives Matter Championship, they still had a good team that year. They had a good team before the pandemic happened. And you go ahead and blow up that roster. You get rid of a lot of those good pieces to bring in guys who are not good pieces, to bring in guys who can't defend and can't shoot, and then you wonder why you're 33 and 49. So basically, in summary, this current season was terrible. I already anticipate next season being terrible. I don't know what we have going forward. A lot of old guys who are making a lot of money, taking up a lot of the salary cap, unless you can figure out a way 
to trade Westbrook. I've I've been of the opinion that someone might want him, probably a small market team that has a problem selling tickets. I don't know, the Orlando Magic. There's been rumors that Charlotte might be interested in Westbrook. I mean, it's kind of the same problem. You already have LaMelo Ball. He's the best player on that team. He's the point guard. He's going to handle the basketball the majority of the time. You bring in Westbrook, what is he going to do? Is he going to play off ball? No, he can't do that. I don't know where he goes and what he does. I don't see him being successful anywhere. His style of basketball and his declining status in the game, I don't know what he does. I don't know what the Lakers do. I don't know what they can possibly do going forward for the next two or three years. I anticipate them being terrible for the next two or three years. But I'll tell you what's not terrible, the Deion Gordon podcast. And I appreciate the support and everyone listening, subscribing, and doing what you do. Take a time out of your day to hear me talk about whatever. Uh, as I always say, at the end of all these podcasts, this concludes this particular episode of the Deion Gordon podcast. Eternally grateful, always humble, very much appreciative Thank you so much for listening, and thank you all for the birthday wishes and everything, the sentiments and gratitude that was expressed. 37 now. I'm an old man. I've been old for a long time. I've been old since I was 14, so it don't really bother me too much. You know, I was 14 going on 50 a long time ago, so it don't really bother or fuck with me. It don't, it don't fuck with me too much. I don't care. Uh, as I said on Facebook, it's a victory lap. You know, not everyone gets that victory lap. So take it and appreciate it. You know, it's, it's longevity. That's a major thing in this world. Uh, so once again, appreciate the gratitude, the sentiments. Appreciate you listening. Until next time, picture me rolling. I'm out. <laughs>